0: Community Corner, where we talk about various topics within the urban community. We specialize in urban public health, urban education, health education, education policy, and creative arts. I'm the executive director at the Urban Health Collaborative and I want to personally thank you for tuning into our podcast. This podcast was produced by our very own interns and our team. If you don't know who we are, we are a public health nonprofit. That focuses on building capacity and educating community members on preventable health issues and teach them ways to prevent them as well as improve their health and overall well-being. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you stay. Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome back to the Community Corner podcast. I'm Isabel, and I'm here today with Anthony Gray, a mental health and harm reduction specialist, and our executive director, Zaire Ali. In today's episode, we'll be discussing mental health in today's age. What factors contribute to the deterioration or development of mental health? What are some healthy coping skills? how does the Urban Health Collaborative hope to tackle the subject of mental health when it comes to putting together events and creating educational content? So to start off, um, Zayir, what would you say is vital to understand about mental health and how it's defined in today's world?
0: That's a good question, Isabel. Uh, but I would say the most important thing or one of the, the most important or key things to remember when we're talking about mental health is that it looks different for everyone and that it's fluid. Because unlike your physical, right, if you get cut or if you fall and scrape your knee, you see it, you can feel it, and you know something is wrong, and you know when it's healed. Whereas your mental health, it's an ongoing thing, meaning there's wounds that you may not know you have, and you may not know your triggers. So we may feel we're in a good place, even if we are aware of our mental health, but something could happen uh, like a trigger we are we are unaware of, or something in that same nature that can further deteriorate our mental health, worsen it, and really just send us to a a place of almost no return. Because if we don't understand our mental health, don't understand what it is, and don't understand how powerful our mental is, we can eventually keep getting beat down and beat down and then we turn to other vices to make us feel good but overall they're impacting our mental health negatively and I would say um, the way it's kind of defined in this country and in this world it isn't meaning that only people who are aware of mental health try to define it and if you don't know it, it's almost a taboo. So um I know we're going to be talking a little bit later about the, the exact definitions of it, but um I just want to say that is that people don't know what it is because people are scared of it and it's such a, a taboo that most folks don't even understand what it is on the most surface level.
1: Right, of course, and I think kind of b- to build off of that, a lot of it has to do with accessibility to mental health resources. What are your thoughts on that? Would you say that they've improved over the years?
0: I would definitely say um, mental health resources have improved um, in the sense of that. Researchers, scientists, practitioners are more aware of it, but the issue about having better resources is the costs associated with them and the lack of accessibility Two of them.
1: Anthony, do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I want to uh, contribute to and um, uh, the 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 first part about how like today it, it sometimes feels like we gotta prep for an uncomfortable conversation. So yeah, like this the uh, the the truth is a lot of folks don't you know uh, they they're going through a lot of like sad things sometimes. So like when I said like we gotta prep for this conversation because of the, the stigma around what mental health is and. Uh, we, we're at a point in time where we have access to anything that we want. Um, uh, and as far as like the knowledge and the resources, it's just that we don't make enough time to address how we can use them and apply them, uh, apply the resources to our everyday lives.
1: So to sort of build off of that last question, how do you think the progression into the digital age and things like social media impact mental
2: health? It's a lot of distractions. Uh, I'm for one I'm super you know I'm not a hypocrite I'm not and I'm super guilty of it I spend a lot of time uh, on my phone scrolling um what I'm kind of learning is how how many things like in certain like categories uh it's really um it's a lot so it's really uh impacting I would say if you're not aware of it you could find your your a lot you could find yourself spending a lot of time uh, on social media and that's less time taken outside of, you know, your everyday lifestyle of pri- prioritizing the things that you need to be doing as far as taking care of yourself. A lot of that time is, is spent, uh, you know, being distracted on, on our social media.
1: Is that your? would you like to build off of that?
0: Sure. Um... <sighs> that's tough because you think about Progression of a digital age and it happened so quick one day we were using typewriters and now we could type with virtual keyboards so the part that's you know that's good that we have more technology but it's also terrible as anthony said is that sometimes we get so engulfed and so deep into our technology into social media into this virtual world because it's an escape that we forget about our physical and when we forget about our physical we forget to take care of ourselves we forget to listen to our body and we think that other people and other things can track and tell us our whereabouts and tell us where we need to be physically mentally and spiritually instead of staying in tune with yourself you know a big practice is just grounding yourself, and that means you know, physically, but also grounding yourself in the present. But when we're on social media, when we're engulfed in technology, a lot of times we're in the past, we're in the future, but we're not in the present, in the here and now. So, for example, some people may go outside, um, take a, a walk around the woods, take a walk around the block to really try to just release and ground themselves in the nature and in the present, but if we're doing that and we're on our phones or we're on the phone with people, yes, we're we're doing something outside. Yes, we're moving, but we're not in the present. We're we're, we're in our conversation or we're on our phones. So it's, yes, your body's body's in motion, stays in motion, but your mind is not like your physical. You need to constantly check on yourself mentally to better, really, to better understand um, how you're feeling, how you're not feeling, and just to know where, what your even keel is, because when we're off that even keel or not aware of it, it could be really, really bad for most people.
1: From the perspective of students who are currently in or have graduated from higher education, how would you say that type of academic environment coincides with mental health?
2: uh i graduated from uh, middlesex community college and i'm really really happy that they offered uh, counseling services um that and it it was for free and i'm pretty sure a lot of uh, schools do offer uh, the the counseling services so by uh, taking advantage of it that kind of Uh, gave me the opportunity to understand uh, what those safe spaces are about and talking about the things that I'm experiencing in life and having a professional sit there and listen to confirm and to affirm and to give me a guidance of like better options of how I could conduct my lifestyle based off of the way that I talk to myself and the conversations and relations that I have with people. Um, It was super, super helpful uh, for me. I definitely encourage every student to you know take some time to uh, check those services out because you know you never know what you know the their their school and then there's of course our personal life outside of school and sometimes we we bring that into our academia which can definitely leave us for uh, distractions of uh, not addressing the the mental side of it and that type of performance is really important if you want to keep up you know your studies and good grades Basically,
0: And um, I guess As a student who's graduated But also somebody who's a current student um, The school setting The academic setting If you have enough resources And enough People on your On your team To really champion you and support you It can be a beautiful place But if you come from A, a culture or a family Or just even at a school doesn't have the mental health resources who doesn't have the counseling services who doesn't have people who are there for their students um academic settings can be detrimental to mental health because of the competitiveness the fear of not being good enough grades tests quizzes um even just some of the the, the threats that we see happening around the, the country you know it's um it can be scary especially if you know you have students who've been home their whole life but they never been away from home it can be super duper daunting and it can it could help it could help worsen people who have undiagnosed mental illness or mental health problems whereas if you're in a setting that has culturally competent counselors, that has groups, that has clubs or different organizations that are there to support students, to foster a positive environment, it can it can be world of a difference because when we don't know or we don't have access to something that's for us and we don't have a way to get it, what's the point of having it, you know? Or if we have a therapist or a counselor who may be amazing, but they don't understand me, where I come from, or they don't try to, that's going to hurt me more than it's going to help me. So schools and academic settings, they are a a perfect place to, to, I think, breed a positive environment of, of health, mental health, and just overall well-being. But they need to remember that The students are your clients and your customers, and without them, you're nothing. And we really, really, really need to do a better job of just being student first and really doing the hard work to meet them where they're at no matter where they are at.
1: As students, we're constantly immersed in our academic environment and therefore learning coping strategies, understanding how to balance work and life are all skills that are so important for us to learn. So my next question is, what advice do you have for learning about coping strategies? How would you describe your process of trial and error with many methods being offered?
2: during my time and even in, in my work environment, the opportunities uh, that are, are currently presented is the, the safe space. Uh, like you were saying, when we encourage taking care of each other, when we encourage taking the time for mental health, a lot of people that aren't uh, familiar with it um, do take the action of um, taking advantage of the services. Uh, for me personally, I came into, uh, the counseling just based off of what I was feeling at my heart and based off of everything that I was feeling around me. Knowing that, uh, there was a support system, I reached out to it and, uh, I'm just really grateful that, I've been consistent with it and then I, I continue to take advantage of the resources and I continue to ask for help out loud. And it was it's pretty funny because the the baby that doesn't cry, there's there's something you gotta check up on that baby. You know, as, as humans we're all um we're emotional creatures. So um my my advice would be if if you feel something to kind of to, to trust that, to trust your gut, to trust uh, to honor yourself and in, in trusting that, and that's a that's a form of self love. That's a form of self care uh, because the pain is something that gives a signal to us that there's something wrong. So really by uh staying true to yourself and uh, addressing it and not being afraid it's like i said it's, it's really uncomfortable uh to to be vulnerable just based off of everything that's kind of happening in in this world it's really difficult to be vulnerable and to trust people with your emotions and with your heart um but there definitely are safe places where you're able to do that and you're going to be supported and you're going to have that foundation to uh, continue to apply those options uh, back back to yourself
1: so anthony in specializing in harm reduction could you describe the history of harm reduction workers and how the role they play um as a mental health resource kind of works
2: yes i would love to um harm reduction uh, and i'm pulling from the sources from uh, the harm reduction uh national harm reduction and new jersey harm reduction coalition um and we find our our roots and inspirations across movements um and strategies across the united states starting in like the the 1960s Um, they gave examples of the black panther party survival program such as free breakfast uh, for children and um In health clinics, uh, the Young Lords launched uh, the acupuncture program for heroin users in the South Bronx. Um, The women's health movement emerging in the 1970s, feminist activism and fight for reproductive health. And a bunch of grassroots and activists' response to the AIDS crisis in in the 1980s and beyond. So basically uh, the, uh, a mission like for our mission with New Jersey harm reduction is to, is to create a New Jersey that values the safety and dignity of all people who use drugs and make evidence informed harm reduction public health resources widely available to everyone in the state. So we're, we're working towards uh, a world where, Uh, There is no drug war or stigma against people who use drugs and uh, we imagine a world where uh, people who use drugs and all people, regardless of their status, uh, have resources needed to stay alive and thrive. So yeah, we we come from our personal experience with drug use, uh, our love or grief uh, for family members. Uh, and friends, professional experience and uh, commitments uh, to our exposure for justice. Um, For me personally, I use harm reduction as a sense of awareness to address the harms and the biases that I was causing like for myself. First, I address myself, like me versus me. I mean, whenever I do that, I'm able to create safer spaces for other people because I'm being vulnerable. I'm doing the work of listening to understand and to meet people where they're at. But first I had to, you know, address to myself. So that way I don't pose it like a hypocrite or nothing like that. I mean, that is kind of why I'm I'm going to continue like to stay in the harm reduction world because this is uh, something that's allowing people opportunity to be heard and to be understood so that way we can start having the conversation of respect to address our underlying problems uh, with basically experiencing life.
1: What would you say we're facing and ter- like nationally in terms of mental health and
2: addiction as a nation? Over a hundred thousand people. Uh, died from fatal overdoses so that right there in in itself uh due to uh systemic uh, racism and um, programs set in place to harm people of color um basically from the history of this country and now we're in 2023 so there's so many subcategory problems that are now being presented uh, due to the root of the problem of kind of how uh, this country was was founded. Um, In New Jersey, New Jersey does a a great job, but there's absolutely more opportunities for us to have uh, programs uh, to meet people because currently with our population uh, versus how many places there are to help, uh, it's really, really uh, lacking. So, and and then with the, the pandemic, the, the the numbers have increased, and now we're dealing. We were dealing with that, and all, and as that, continue uh, got talked about. Now we're doing a lot more research with uh, psilocybin and trank within people's uh, drug supply. That's literally eating away their skin. Um. And then uh, our, we, we have, like I said, a lot of great um, health facilities, and we also have to just cr- finish understanding that there's opportunities for us to be educated on basically what respect is. That way we, we kind of like have to work towards not having that stigma or not having that bias or to people that need help, because what will happen is the people that need help won't get help because of how they're treated, and that's just not going to help anyone. But uh, we're, we're, yeah, that's basically what um, we kind of have to continue fighting is just understand that respect that we have to have with each other
0: first.
1: Circling back for a moment, Zaire, are there any additional thoughts you'd like to provide?
0: Yes. um, So Anthony said, said a lot, um, a lot of good things. And I'm just thinking about, you know, strategies and just ways that folks can improve their mental health or really just make it, make it not so scary. Um, yes, there's all different modalities. There's DBT, CBT, um, you know, there's a psychoanalyst. There's all these different great things. And yes, there's a purpose for all of them. There's different skills, psychoeducation, but as individuals, um, we, the more we know, the better we are armed and the more armor we have because there's not one shoot there's not one size that fits all when it comes to mental health and ways to make it better. So it's it's really, it is almost trial and error because nobody's telling you that if you get one therapist, you have to stick with them. Nobody's saying that if you have one coping strategy, you have to only use that one. There's, there's so many ways out there but better understanding what's good for us is really all we can do because otherwise, you know, we may be trying to, to climb a tree without arms and legs, right? Um, we may need some assistance, but the way it looks isn't always the same. And until we, as a society, make that known and really destigmatize mental health, therapy, psychoeducation groups, and just sharing from your heart is going to be really, really tough. But like Anthony said, you know, the the more we lead with love and kindness, the better it's going to be, not for ourselves, but for everyone, because the energy we, we put out into the world is the same energy that's going to be circulating. So the, the more positivity and love we put out there, the, just the more wholesome connections we're going to build, the more people we're going to have that generally care about us. And it's just going to um, help nationally, I would say, with the, the different um, mental health crises that are going on post COVID, the opioid epidemic that's happening in urban communities and the suburbs. Um, it's there's so many facets to improving our health but until we make it known that there are many ways to do it there are different routes to get to overall healthy well-being we're going to still be struggling looking for that one thing whereas there's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle and and we have to just figure out what works for us and how we can create our puzzle create our illustration and really create our own playbook to follow.
1: What are some notable statistics or facts that you feel everyone should know regarding mental health and addiction?
0: Um, I would say I, I would talk on the mental health part and I let uh, uh, Anthony speak on the addiction aspect of it but just, me- just from the mental health aspect, right? So there are about 300 million Americans in this country um, documented at least, right? And about 57.8 million of them are dealing with some type of mental illness. And when you, we when you break that number down um, to Black and Hispanic populations, there's 12% Black folks in this country as our last census and 19% L- Latino or Hispanic population. So that's roughly about 7 million Black folks are dealing with some type of mental illness and about 11 million Latin people or or Hispanic people are dealing with some type of mental illness. And those are just the people who have clinical diagnosis. That's not to say the number of people who are dealing with some type of genetic illness or are dealing with trauma or anxiety or depression that they don't really understand. And when people don't understand what they're dealing with, they turn to substances, they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol and sugar to to cope, to make themselves feel well and whole. And and we know that's not always the best way. Yes, there's um a use for substances, yes, there's a use for prescription drugs, for, for pills, for medication, but as Anthony could attest to, when people go down the rabbit hole and they're not really whole and they don't really understand what they're doing that could lead to addiction. And addiction's not a negative thing. Addiction is a mental illness. And once we start categorizing it as that, we let's hope that some of this stigma gets lifted from it and that we can create environments in societies where we're not looking at people who may have some type of substance addiction as a bad person, as a crook, as a criminal, we should look at them as Anthony said earlier, a baby who's who didn't cry because their crying was their substance. So that's how they they felt whole or they were hurt by doing something to make sure they're not a burden on someone else. Even though you're not a burden if you're hurting, but that's what we say here. You know, you have to pick yourself up by bootstraps even if you don't have any shoes. So I'm, I'm pulling this from the, the CDC um, in- It was in
2: 2021, over uh, 100,000 drug overdose deaths occurred in the United States. This is more specific for New Jersey, um, and this is also from that website. Uh, Black residents currently have the highest rate of overdose deaths among other racial ethnic groups in New Jersey. Among Black residents, the rate of overdose deaths rose from uh, 54.6 per 100,000 persons, um in 2020 uh, to 65.9 per hundred thousand persons in 2021. so that means it rose. Uh, for our Hispanic uh, residents that rate also increased from uh, 24.6 uh, to 20 to 25.9 and in contrast uh, the rate of overdose amongst white residents decreased. Thirty-seven point seven per hundred thousand to thirty-four point uh, nine. So um, those are those are some stats. I guess a little bit later we, we're going to talk about like kind of what that that means to us.
1: What are initiatives being taken to develop resources to treat addictions?
2: So, and this was uh, released in uh, July twenty-eighth, in twenty twenty. Um, the Murphy administration uh, launched the Naloxone Distribution Program, uh, which works with the Department of Health um, and the Office of Attorney General uh, to allow uh, eligible agencies the opportunity to request um, shipments uh, for Naloxone. Uh, what I involve my work in is the preparation of the kits for that and the fentanyl testing kits. Um, and what they're doing, they're reaching uh, their... Let I me mean, find here where exactly uh, this is being pulled from um, because the, the state is now working with first responder agencies, harm reduction agencies, uh, libraries, um, reentry programs, uh, shelter, shelters, uh, churches, and in a, in a collaborative effort to assess where these overdoses were happening in New Jersey. And like I said, it's a hotspot initiative. That's what they're calling it. Uh, So that way we're going to be addressing those populations uh, to continue to support them in the harm reduction approach because we're we're in a time of of change. And and basically a, a lot of great things were coming from how we were helping people, but there's obviously still a lot room for improvement because we're still losing a lot of uh, people. Uh, so we're taking that approach to really help out our uh, Black and Hispanic residents um, because they are the people that are dying the most from experiencing life here.
1: What are your thoughts on accessibility to mental health and addiction resources and how can they be improved in the future?
0: Um, I would say... Uh, similar to a little bit earlier is, you know, and even just like Anthony said, yes, there's resources out there. People are doing things. Um, community-based organizations are doing things. But the, the disconnect that I've been seeing a lot and just the research has been telling us is that the people who are carrying out a lot of these services or the organizations that are doing these services aren't really reaching the people that really, really them. And it's a lot of times the people who need these services, they aren't aware of them so they don't know the question to ask or they don't know the place to go or even if they do, they might not have the means to get there. So uh, like Anthony said, you know the Naloxone, um, yeah Naloxon, the fentanyl testing kits, those are those are great and those are great resources for people who know about them, places who know how to ask for them. But what about the, the hundreds and thousands of people who don't know who to ask or don't have an address to send them to or don't have connections with the organization who could provide them to them? You know, th- then what are we doing? So that's why I'm always going to advocate for accessibility and for community outreach because without grassroots people coming together and really identifying communities in need. They're still going to be underrepresented in this in this game we call life. Because without people bridging that gap between resources, advocacy, and practice, it's always going to be a disconnect between the theorists, the practitioners, and, and the, the doers. Because doers are great at doing. Researchers are great at researching and practitioners are great at practicing but we need to realize that within that triangle there's some type of balance and equilibrium that we need to find to ensure that the the researcher doesn't forget who they're actually serving the practitioner doesn't forget the 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 mindset the culture and all the life experience in the people they're serving and the doers don't forget that hey Sometimes you need to stop and reevaluate what you're doing because yes, what you've been doing for the last 20 years might be great, but look how much we may have evolved and look how much the the culture in your community might have changed. And if we don't take that second to reevaluate ourselves, even if we believe we're doing great work, even if the world tells us you're doing great work, you're still doing a disservice to the people that need to be served.
1: So, Anthony What is the mission of your agency and how do you apply
2: it? So I purchased my agency's AG's agency LLC uh, last year. Um, That was me understanding the ownership that I have to have um, in order to continue to network. So right now it's a growing entity that is based around my network. Um, So basically uh, what I'm going to do is continue to help develop. Uh, grassroots groups, uh, anybody that wants the service of kind of understanding uh, what a safe space is and how we can address ourselves in order to help out other people. Um, It's going to consist of a uh, political organ um, which will be merging with other people that have already established um, who they are to basically go over. It's like a newspaper, we'll talk about the, the history um the hindsight uh the insight which is like being present and uh foresight which kind of sees into the future so by collecting the successes um from past organizers and also looking at the failures that way uh we don't make those same mistakes and giving it an innovative new look with everything that's happening in today's um world uh we kind of will continue to create uh, a safe space uh, for people to continue to talk about how we can develop within ourselves. Uh, first, it starts with ourselves, our family, our friends, and then we could we'll be able to help out our community. Um, and second, it's a promotion of the fine arts that all of um, my peers are doing. Uh, so we we have a PDF that we make <clears throat> that that's from the Creator's Kingdom. So I, I work with uh, people. And we showcase the amazing arts our friends are doing. So if you have painting, poetry, if you are like a tattoo artist, if you have um, any type of sessions, we promote that. And that kind of gives us our voice, our ownership and our power of the amazing things that we are doing. And as a collective, we're going to continue to uh, showcase how we support each other. We want to showcase how uh, we stand with other people. And all this is is just a... Uh, combat against um a lot of images that create the uh, false illusion of separation when actually uh, we could look at things from love and being more whole
1: so what resources have you pulled from in the past who have you worked with
2: going on five years i started volunteering with uh, elijah's promise um soup kitchen Um, From there I've volunteered, I continue to to volunteer because that allowed me to gain experience um, from different orgs. I've um, done outreach with uh, Salvation Army, I've done outreach with the North Community Street Team, with Black Lives Matter Patterson. Um, I have a lot of uh, close comrades that's worked with the North uh, Water Coalition, um, the the Legal Action uh, Center. Um, I I now work for New Jersey Harm Reduction uh, Coalition, which is a nonprofit. We have links with the uh, New Jersey Policy Perspective, uh, which is a think tank that drives policy change. Of course, now I'm linking up with uh, Brother Zaire, and we're gonna continue to talk about the great things that uh, we're doing. A lot of grassroots and mutual aid groups that stand in, shil- in solidarity. Uh, for example, uh, I started with Shiloh, Supporting Homeless, Innovating, and Loving Others. Um, Central Jersey DSA, um, Hope City Socialists for um, other options and opportunities to support people uh, where they're at. I also, um, linked up with a lot of environmental conservation groups, uh, for lifestyle, uh, Works, the Wellness Rebirth Retreat, and, uh, these are people that, uh, travel to Jamaica to host, uh, spiritually experiences, um, through holistic lifestyles, um, I work with the Love Bug Club, uh, which is, um... basically another safe space where you get to do um, yoga, be in community with people. Um, The Creator's Kingdom, like I said, that's our political organ to showcase the amazing arts um, that we're a part of. I have the the Big Brother, Big Sister uh, Mentorship also reaches out to a lot of children i also volunteer with them on um, the impact church in south plainfield and they host the big giveaways for families and they have like this huge warehouse where people come in and they get things that they could use around their home uh, for free and i have pulled from a lot of books one main thing that's important i want to say the the Peace in the hood by uh, mr akil uh, Bashir. they they study a lot of that out in North uh, with the No Community Street team. Um, so basically, we we I've been studying from like Black Panther. I've been studying from a, a, a lot of uh, organizers that have done this work already to kind of uh, take away the the good points and, like I said, create opportunities to address uh, the, the failures uh, within this group. So uh, yeah, I also want to um say we have um, even like a, a music. Thing, like for people who want to be creative with music with uh, willie emphasis we have like a soundcloud um, things like that and a little bit more information on the legal action center they also ha- help fight uh discrimination and uh, restore opportunities uh, for people a lot of like the uh, youtube groups um, like earn your leisure they talk about financial literacy like we also have to make space um for that conversation so basically, I had the mind frame as a, like a global humanitarian representative. So therefore, I had to address it on all levels from the law, the politics, the, the human, the, the children, our environment. Um, and we're bringing all of that uh, ready. So that way, if you're interested, you have your own creative ability. You could find there's going to be a place for you. And if there's not, we're going to make one up as everything is made up. And uh, we're using this opportunity to operate off of love. So that way we can stay forward uh, with our process to take care of each
0: other. Wow. Um, I definitely want to say um, shout out to Shiloh because they were one of the first um, organizations in Middlesex County that I ever volunteered with. And I wouldn't say they... They taught me everything I know, but they definitely showed me and put me in the position to see um, what the the houseless population looks like and really understand how much they're being beat down daily. And that's scary almost because most people today are one step away from being houseless you know one paycheck away so it's like if we don't understand that and if we keep dehumanizing people we're we're only making our society worse so shout out to shiloh but i will also say you know um just resources that i pull from i do a lot of different research so apha journal american public health association um american psychological association the cdc center for disease and controls um, Rutgers library has a lot of resources um cuny law cuny library and then also just reading just reading different books by paul coelho malcolm gladwell um man there's so many uh, i guess resources out there i can i can name so we're going to uh you know share that on our website a little later on but i would say the people i worked with um uh, the most notable folks or organizations that I worked with were possibly and most likely um, near it's called the National Education of Early Education Research. That's how I started my career in research, working with them for a few years and it really opened my eyes to you know to see like if we don't invest in our youngest populations and the people who teach them, we're doing a disservice to the future of our country because the outcomes that we see from investing in early education in that workforce is tremendous. Um, we have so many inclusion, dual language classes nowadays because of these different laws and policies, things like Abbott in New Jersey, expansion in New Jersey. Those are some policies and laws that helped improve what we see today. Um it's it's exciting. So that's one organization. Um I worked at the school of education at records I'm doing learning just a lot of how higher education works and now I'm working with um, New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene um through through CUNY. Um, I'm working with the Urban Health Collaborative, um, a great nonprofit organization in New Brunswick that serves communities of all walks of life giving them education nourishment and a source of food and then just giving an opportunity to explore life um with love and compassion the support of of our our staff here and then um lastly um you know working with myself and for myself because none of what i've done in life would be possible without me believing in me And not to sound like, oh, cocky or anything, but if you don't believe in you, who's gonna believe in you when nobody else will? Who's gonna believe in you when you're alone? So at the end of the day, you know, we could give a person everything they need, but if you don't teach them how to use it or don't tell them why, it's like, you know, what's the point of doing it? Um, So I had to go through the fire and flames of life I guess, to better understand what I needed, what my people needed, and how to access my people to give them the resources we all need.
1: What can we as individuals do to contribute to mental health uh, addiction initiatives, resources?
2: Every every day I give thanks. I, uh, I find time to affirm myself. I find time to assess myself. And that comes first. Like I said, I'm in a uh, constant battle with myself. Like, it's me versus me first. Just like I said, like, you have to believe in yourself first. Um, I have a really creative way of uh, taking advantage of every opportunity that I get if I'm allowed another day here uh, with with everyone else. Um, I have a calendar that I uh, write down God first, prayer, love, family, and however, what other uh, uh, words that come to mind, I capture them. Um, so that way, it gets me out of kind of trying to structure my creativity, like trying to put myself in a box. Because I'm not here to really just consume all this information. I'm also here to create and to be and to live. Everybody has that right to do so, as you know, as a human. Um, those things eat me, my in my morals. Uh, grounded that's that's my foundation and that's kind of what I will always uh, go back to and like giving my glory uh, to God and that really uh, sets the tone for how I carry myself when I walk outside of the house because I know that I'm a reflection of um, everyone else so the more love that I put inside of myself first uh, it's go- it's going to continue to radiate and that energy is real and um that's how we could continue to be the light that illuminates in, in the darkness is uh, first addressing it with ourselves.
0: I, um, I, I t- uh, wholesomely agree. And I feel like as individuals, first and foremost, we need to understand our why and understand who we are because until we understand our why, our purpose, and what we're here for, it's going to be extremely difficult to help others, to pour into others, and to pour into people who need your help and support. Because, you know, you go into certain food pantries or you go into organizations and some of the workers seem like they're, they're so stressed out for helping a person who's coming in for help when they're there to help. And it's like, wait, something's not right here. You are trying to be a helper, but you may not be receiving the help you need, or you may not care to pour into yourself. When we're working in this field of mental health, addiction, community empowerment, we're going to be screamed at. We're going to be yelled at. People are going to look at us like we're weird at times. But we gotta realize that some people are at the, the lowest of the lows, and. What they're giving you is a reflection of what they feel society has given them. And if they feel beat down, broke down by whoever, how are they going to be open to accept help from us? How are they going to be open to understand the messages that we're trying to give them? And so it's, it's really, really, really important to, to just better understand what people are going through so i would say a lot of people you know if they really want to help in this in this field of mental health and and addiction volunteer you know talk to people who you wouldn't normally talk to put yourself in uncomfortable environments and situations so you can just fathom and experience a little bit of what some people may face on the daily because it's It's really, really, really difficult to work with people who you have no understanding of or work with communities who you're scared of because when people are down bad, they're going to sniff out the BS. They're going to see who's really, really there for them, and they're going to know the people who are trying to use them, and they're going to let you know that you're not welcome. But the moment that you are welcomed, by communities who, who 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 have been historically marginalized that's the moment where you are able to find your purpose within this work because it's there's no magic formula to make it work there's no magic formula to break down these barriers except love and compassion and putting yourself out there opening up your your guts so people can see that you are vulnerable just like them. We all are dealing with something. But until we we say it out loud, until we speak into existence, it's just a thought, they're just feelings. And the more we internalize negative feelings, the, the worse that we're going to feel inside, stress, anxiety, they really do kill us. And we know as black Hispanic folks in this country, a lot of us, that's not good. We, we breed off of love, happiness, and joy. But when we internalize evilness, anger, and sadness, we're feeling that. We're filling our bodies and our hearts up with that. So the more we pour into others, positivity, and just pure love, the better we're going to be and the better our brothers and sisters are going to be, regardless of where they're from, regardless of their background, regardless of the language they speak. You don't always need to say words to communicate.
1: What are some resources that the Urban Health Collaborative offers or hopes to offer as they move forward and continue to grow?
0: Currently, we have worked um, in communities around us, um, such as like Scataway, Norwich, Plainfield, New Brunswick, um, and we've provided mental health workshops, especially during COVID, we've, we provide um, mental health outreach. We're trying to show people resources and just connect them to other organizations that are doing work that we don't have the capacity to do yet, and we currently have a food pantry Um, because people don't realize, you know, if you're, if you're hungry, how can you go to work? If you're hungry, how can you go to school and focus? If you're hungry and you have to choose between keeping your lights on or feeding your family, that's not okay. So we're just trying to provide all the necessities to people, um, you know, education, nourishment, and a community. Because when you have those things, when you have people around you when you have resources that are readily available when you have the education the know-how to dispel ignorance which isn't a negative thing ignorance is just the lack of knowledge the lack of knowing so when we provide people with the knowledge and their resources we believe that we can truly help shift mindsets leading up to help make the world believe it could be a better place because without believing it you can never achieve it. Yes, you need to see it, but even if you don't see it, believing it can keep you alive. Believing it can take you to the next level. And then lastly, you know, working with community organizations such as Anthony and his agency, um, collaborating with people like that, not only helps the community, but it helps each other because Anthony, his agency, his connections, they have so much knowledge and resources that I could never fathom. Vice versa, but that's that's the part of this. That's why we are the Urban Health Collaborative because we create community, we collaborate, and we are here to improve health in urban communities. Um, and like I said, we're, we're, you're you're part of the community. So what what do you think, or I would say, what what resources would you say you have? that are out here or some places you could share, you know, that you know could help. Let's start
2: well, with where, where we are here in um, in New Brunswick. I know Sundays, I'm working with the, the grassroots organization uh, to provide its free clothes, food, and literature um, around people of the community. Um, we, we have like, we just start to set up like chairs for people to come sit down. Uh, some weeks we'll have music, depending if we have the, uh, the speaker. If it rains, we'll, we'll have a tent. Um, and basically, this is just meeting people where they're at and bringing resources to where the people are at, to where it's been proven that a lot of resources aren't going to these communities, like even right here in New Brunswick. Um, and I'm, We're going to continue to uh, support that um, with um, my, my, nonprofit, we're going to continue to like, I'm, I'm running the, the mailing program. So if you do need harm reduction supplies, like naloxone, fentanyl testing kits, even condoms, uh, it's free and it's confidential. Um, I, I work, me and my team, we work, uh, really, really hard to, uh, make sure that New Jersey has, uh, that, uh, accessibility to harm reduction supplies and i i want to just give uh this group a shout out here because like here i was providing safe spaces for people to come and uh speak like open words poetry things that right there brought a lot of like connections that i've learned from um and i always love those spaces where we uh, get to create and we get to be we get to let these things off of our chest and we're being heard um that's what the youth needs is just more safe spaces so that's kind of what's going on
0: presently right now um and something aunt mentioned you know about the clothing and the community you know um we we started the communion corner which is our, our thrift store our outreach and our entertainment, so the Community Corner Studios, and all of it is really to provide community another avenue to share their thoughts, share their feelings, to open up conversations about mental health, to open up conversations about poverty, racism, and destruction that has happened to our communities historically, not just here in New Brunswick, not just here in New Jersey, but nationally, globally, because there's urban community, there's black and Hispanic people everywhere that are being beat down. So the community corner isn't just something to, to showcase what we do or to give people a, a, a mic, but you know we have our thrift store, we have our mutual aid, and those things are to provide community members with jobs and resources, to provide community with clothing that they need to help them you know get that job they need if they if they don't have the clothes for their first few weeks of work if they don't have their clothes for the interview if they don't know how to make a resume if they don't know how to do an interview we're here for them because as anthony said you can't expect to help a community you can't expect to help people if you don't provide them with the the resources or the education or the knowledge they need how do
1: you think fostering a sense of community through organizations such as the Community Corner and the Urban Health Collaborative um, contribute to improving mental health?
0: Um, similar to like Anthony said, you know, I keep piggybacking off of him because he's saying such great things. It's like when we really launched the Community Corner, um, it was a way to separate and distinguish, you know, just educating people on mental health, giving people strategies and really trying to reach the youth, young adults and just communities where they're at, through music, through the arts, through just creating a foster, just creating a, a positive environment. So when we've had our coffee house nights or, or, or our are just our musical and performing events, we try to base them all around health, mental health or Issues that we're facing in our personal life or we see in our community to to educate people and to spread knowledge in a non-traditional way because music, hip-hop, rap, it's a global phenomenon. Um, some people have negative thoughts about it. Some people have positive thoughts about it. But where we look at it, you know, urban culture, its it's whatever we can do to make us happy. To show our culture to show our vibrance so creating that space where people can come share their stories make a little money um raise money and just foster a dope environment is, is crucial because we saw yes the Urban Health Collaborative the education all those aspects are needed but unless you give people that full spectrum where they can unwind Get get let their hair down and get to know each other a little bit. It's it's kind of redundant because yes, you're giving people all the information and stuff, but until you give them um, a representation of it physically, it's it's all in theory. So we try to you know put theory in practice through the community corner, through our, our events, and through some of the outreach and um, just artistic ventures that we do and i would say you know anthony you you performed and you've been at some of those environments um, from your perspective on the outside what would you say is i guess innovative or or new that we do that possibly sets us apart from other organizations or other places that are doing something similar so
2: the, the black excellence that we carry kind of uh, shows for itself um, the, the time that I that I spent in there it was nothing but other people that that looked like me that related to me and that also had unique and powerful stories and voices so it was just really great to uh, to be a part of it and those type of seeds that that we that we plant those connections um, we've been nurturing them, and now everybody ended up developing you know something for themselves. So I, I really just get thanks. like that's that's really coming from our, from our uh, natural creative abilities. So it's really good thanks.
1: What advice would you offer to members of the community who are interested in working in the mental health
2: field? Uh, the advice that I would get, give, um, kind of just buckle, buckle up because uh, sometimes we're battling against things that we can't see, so um, understanding the, the spiritual side of it, I would say just to really have like patience, patience with yourself, because you're going to get met with a lot of uncomfortable situations that you won't know how to address. Uh, that's why you kind of need patience to give yourself that grace um, and continue to, like, take care of yourself. Like, you know, you're we're in positions where we, we give, we give, we give. So that also means that we have to uh, apply all that giving back to ourselves. So that way we're able to show up to continue to hold that space and capacity uh, for others. So I'll say, like, patience.
0: And I would say like I said earlier you know volunteering getting out there and just putting yourself in situations that that are new and are scary because we're never going to truly understand what's going on until we understand what's going on and um, it might sound crazy but that's that's powerful because you know you can want to be a politician one day but if you've never been in politics, do you really know what you're getting into? And that's the same about you know mental health and harm reduction. It's like, it, it could be different every day. It could be a new struggle and challenge every day. But if we're putting our time and efforts into solving something that's only going to help the environment, help the community, and in turn help the world, we're putting our time and efforts into something that's bigger than us. Because I could only write so many chapters of a book until it's my turn to move on. But long as that book is out there and other authors can create writing chapters and continuing the story of self help, of excellence, and of healing, then that's something that's generational. That's something that's that's life-changing because it's, it's always going to be there. It's always going to get better. And I truly believe that storytelling, music, and arts are one of the best avenues to healing.
1: As this episode comes to a close, I want to thank um, you both for joining us today, Anthony and Zaire. It was great to hear your input and to learn more about your experiences and the work that you're doing. Contributing to mental health is so important and it will be great to see how the urban health collaborative grows and how anthony's agency grows to demonstrate that sentiment um if you would like to learn more about the work that this organization is doing um you can you can follow them on instagram at the community corner headquarters at t-u-h-e-c-h-q and anthony are there any um social medias or websites you would like to give a shout out to
2: Yep, uh, y'all could follow uh, my agency on the gram. That's uh, AGs underscore agency underscore. That's basically where I post a lot of my creative content and my journey with developing uh, this entity. Um, you'll you'll have uh, on there is my link to my uh, regular account uh, that also uh, posts and we, we showcase other art and groups uh, that are working um, together um, with us as a collective to finish helping each other out so they can do that
0: And um, I guess another another plug um, like I you know like Isabel mentioned you know our website um, urbanhealthcollaborative.com and communitycorner.org we will we will be posting all of our resources there um, everything that Anthony mentioned everything that, Ah, As Zaire mentioned, um, we're definitely going to be posting it because there's no point of having all this information if we're not sharing it. So, um, you know, just stay tuned because this is only the start of what's to come. Thank you for tuning into the Community Corner Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our story and we can't wait to share it with you next time. And that's the wrap.